0: April's fool uh, sorry April Fool's Day is canceled this year because no made up prank could match the unbelievable happenings going on in the world right now. <laughs> so so the world the world has gone wrong. The world has gone wrong. It's always been wrong. But it seems to be getting worse. But And mankind's God-given freedom to choose has ended up exactly how God foresees it working out because He knew the weakness of our humanity. But because God is love, He doesn't control. So He lets us choose. But the wonder is He intercepted us and saved us when he sent Jesus Christ to come and down that cross, who began this inevitable process of making all things right. And an end of this crazy modern age will come when he returns and absolutely all things are made right. And he recreates the heavens and the earth. But we find ourselves in this place at this time. And today I want to continue. It's the last part in the series we have we've spoken about on being contemplative, on being charismatic, on being just and bringing justice into the world and on being evangelical and today's the second part of what it means to be evangelical. What it means to be God's good news people in a crazy world gone wrong. Are we God's good news people in a crazy world gone wrong? Cuz that's the expectation that God has for us as his church. He expects nothing less than we continue to be good news people, to a crazy world. So some scriptures. John 4, verse 28. And I'm going to just step out the way and read it to us. So the woman, by the way, this is where Jesus meets the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman. And he engages her and he says, I've got water for you, not of this world, that if you drink it, it will truly satisfy. So the woman left her water jar and she went away into town. And she said to the people of her town, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Like, this guy's amazing. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town. They went out of the town and were coming to him. So I want you to get a picture of that. She goes into the town, says to everybody, come and meet this Jesus. He's incredible. And they all start coming out of the town, moving towards where she says, he's at the well. So they all start coming out the town. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has he brought something with him to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He's saying, you're worried about food. I'm worried about something way more important than food. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see, <coughs> excuse me, that the fields are white for harvest. Now the natural fields weren't yet white for harvest because there were four months to go. But he says, lift up your eyes and to what? To see all the people coming out of the town to come and meet him, who the Samaritan woman said, Come and meet somebody who is beyond anybody I've ever met. When Jesus speaks of the harvest there, he's not talking about wheat, he's talking about the people coming out of the town to meet him. Already the one who reaps is receiving the wages, sorry, is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. And he says, it doesn't matter who sows and who reaps. What's happening now is God is saving people through me. And I want you to see the salvation of God for people. It's more important than the wheat. It's more important than the food, because souls matter to God. It's why Jesus came. Next scripture. Matthew nine thirty-five to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. That's what he does. He brings good news. He heals. When he saw the crowds, notice he's seeing the people again. He had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He is the Lord of the earth. He is the Lord of the harvest. The people are God's harvest. Lift up your eyes. Don't say there's four months to the harvest. See, the people are coming everywhere. That's the harvest. He says, I look at them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Now, the first time Jesus actually speaks about sheep without a shepherd isn't in the context of church. It's not in the context of the synagogue. It's in the context of the cities, the villages, the world. See, God wants us to be like his shepherds. Representing him, we under shepherds, he's the chief shepherd. God wants us to be like shepherds guiding people towards the truth. This is where the green pasture is, this is where the living water is, this is where the peace is. Let me tell you a story of my life to explain to you what I mean by me receiving peace in the midst of a storm. We are shepherds to people in the cities and the villages. Jesus had compassion on them, wants us to see people the way that he does. Then, lastly, 2 Corinthians 5:17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul doesn't say gave me, he says he gave us all of the church of Corinth. Those who are just new. To the church, those who'd been in the church for two years, doesn't make a difference. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are God's ambassadors, or we are ambassadors for Christ. God is. Making his appeal through us. Okay. Can, I just chose three scriptures. Just to give us a foundation from which to remind us or remind ourselves that we are God's good news people. We are still God's good news people. And we will always be God's good news people. He doesn't have another plan. You and I are those who say, I'm in or God I'm not. We are as scattered servants. We gather today on a Sunday like this, or we gather in a home and where we are gathered family. That's what we are today, we gathered family. But friends, the rest of our lives, outside of the hour and a half we spend here, we are scattered servants, carrying the message of good news. The way of the world is different to the kingdom of God. All agree? The way of the world is different. And the way of the world needs to be challenged. And it's up to us, His good news people, to challenge that way. Challenge culture by all means. It's what Jesus did and what we do. But the way in which we do it is critical. We've got to challenge culture. Jesus did. Good news challenges bad news. But the way in which we do it is critical. We do not engage in a worldly way. We do not fight. We're not yet to fight with people, friends. Forget about fighting with people. We, we've come to bring love and truth to people, to point them towards the chief shepherd. So in the first one, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, the first part of the series, I spoke about how, how the church got things horribly messed up. And how we really truly messed up when church and state became, they got into bed together. Became a horrible marriage. And the witness of the church to the world was terrible because of that. And secondly, through the crusades and through the worldly way of trying to fight back and force people and and regain territory lost. Literally through the worldly way of fighting, the church's witness was disgusting. And then Jesus he, I mean, he says to, watch me. Watch how I did it. Learn from me. My ways. So we're so easily seduced into doing it the worldly way. But for time's sake, I want to talk about a few things here quickly. You've got good news. You know what good news is? Good news is that I, most people know that their lives are a bit messed up. A little bit out of kilter Uh, things aren't in a good way most people you say you know what we've got good news to say you know what all of us all of us don't have what it takes to live this right life right with God and right with people we make mistakes but God has done something to cover over all our mistakes when he sent his son Jesus and he forgives you and doesn't treat you like your sins deserve He treats you according to His goodness, not your lack of goodness. And that's the gospel of grace. Now, if you're a Christian, that's the good news that that you carry. Uh, And if you're a Christian, you've got a testimony of that. But I want to highlight two things that are, are super helpful for us to understand. It is dangerous to fall into the unbiblical belief that the ministry of the gospel is simply preaching sermons. I want you to look at that, and I want you to try and understand that. It is dangerous to fall into the unbiblical belief that the ministry of the gospel is simply preaching sermons. Church history began to develop a culture that elevated the preaching of the, of, through sermons as the way the gospel is, is shared with the world. But the reality is very few people from the world come in to listen to somebody holding a microphone. But they get to engage with all of us as we live our normal lives. Yeah. Which is what Jesus did with his disciples. They just lived normal lives. They walked from town to town. They met with people. They ate. They, they just did normal life. It wasn't even about, you know. So what happens is when we reduce it to just the preached Message, Only a few people then can influence. But God through the scriptures never ever designed only a few people to influence. In fact, the gathered family moment, this what's happening right now, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That's what this is for. To build you up. Encourage you, remind you of who you are in God, remind you of what God's called us to do, and then for us to go out and engage the world He so loves and release the kingdom life He's given us. So we mustn't reduce the ministry of the gospel to just preached messages. All of us, every day, everywhere, encounter people where we can engage. Secondly, the dignity. Of the spokesperson for Christ. The dignity of the spokesperson for Christ. And this is a phrase from Dallas Willard. When I read this, I thought, I thought, ah, that's that's beautiful, Dallas. Because what he's saying is this do you know, Christian? Do you know, Christian, watching at home, do you know, Christian, that you have knowledge. That the world doesn't have. And with that comes a dignity, not a pride, not an arrogance, a dignity. Because the problem is, so many Christians feel on the back foot. They feel intimidated by the world. They feel like I'm less than and I'm too scared to even talk. You have a dignity because you have knowledge that the world doesn't have. Yeah. That the Christ. The Son of God came and did something so irrevocably powerful and so complete that it is, it is beyond good. And he's invited us freely to receive this grace. That's knowledge that the world doesn't have. So in other words, when you engage an atheist, I used to, when I was a new Christian, and I, I used to feel intimidated by atheists. And now I realize, actually, I've got knowledge that they don't have. So I'm not intimidated anymore. Or somebody from another faith. You don't have to be intimidated by them. They've just got a knowledge. That's all they've got. And you've got a knowledge. But you've got a knowledge that sets people free. A knowledge that that, that there's forgiveness of sins. There's acceptance into the beloved of God, not based upon your goodness. So Christian... Stand up with a dignity when you get to live life in the world. So, I want to go through a few points quickly. Share experiences and stories. You don't have to win an argument, you don't have to give a discourse on the Holy Scriptures. Share experiences. Remember, we spoke about a postmodern secular world in some places of the planet it's a post-christian world which doesn't mean it's basically a post-christian world essentially means this we want so the londons and the new yorks etc they say we want the kingdom but we don't want the king we want the good things that the kingdom of god brought like medicine modern technology education we want all that stuff that the kingdom brought but we don't want jesus the king That's what post-Christian means. So we live in that kind of world. That kind of world is not so much anymore based upon logic as it is about experience. People decide things based upon how they feel. That's the world in which we live. So it's not about winning an argument now. It's about sharing your experience and inviting people to listen to your experience. And then let them share theirs. It's about dialogue, not monologue more. If somebody wants to interrupt you while you're talking... Just say, just, just hold that thought for a moment. I've, I just want to finish this train of thought, and then at the end, I'd love to hear what you want to say about it. Because sometimes people can disrupt you, and you don't get to share what you want to share. But there's a way of doing it. That's why I say challenge the culture of the world, but it's how you do it that's important. But share experiences. Don't talk down to people. Don't talk at people. Talk with people. Secondly, I want to say the following. Be willing to ask questions and be willing to be vulnerable yourself. Don't be afraid of questions. Don't be afraid of them asking you a question. Because a question just means somebody is thinking about something. Somebody's exploring something. So I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid of questions. Even if you don't know how to answer a question, that's okay. Just say, wow, you know what, I haven't thought of that before. But I'm going to, I'd like to think about that and get back to you. But let me tell you something else. This is what happened to me. And you just, you just dialogue. You just share. Don't be intimidated. There's a dignity about who you are and what you carry as a child of God. Thirdly, invite people into Community. There is a hunger for this, and I, I touched on this the last time, but this generation, um, I mentioned this last time, is called the TGRF generation, but not the one you think. It's the TikTok, Twitter, Google, Instagram, Facebook generation. But with all this, because you have to understand, there is a digital space of connectivity that's going on at the moment. So there's the, the, the normal, usual space, of interaction, um, there's a hyper Global space where you can get an airplane and be in on the other side of the planet. by tomorrow morning, engaging with people of a foreign culture, there's that kind of space as well. And then there's the digital space where you are still sitting at home, but interacting with somebody in Australia, and communicating with them and seeing their face. And and, and go, the? these are the spaces available to us to engage. With one another, But no matter where you are, no matter who you are, people are still hungry for community. And they've proven this through all facets of um, research, etc. That no matter how connected people are, they still crave, that's why they're trying to connect. They're craving connectivity. The, the, the world is hungry for community. They might redefine it in different ways, but they really are. So I want to say invite people into your community into your space because the world is desperate for this people are still very lonely even in this busy time another one I want to say is the following is don't Bible bash people don't Bible bash people the Bible is not a weapon against people it's it's a weapon against a lack of truth and the enemy of people which is Satan but it's not a weapon against people don't use the Bible to win an argument. You, know, you, you want to win hearts. Sometimes, as you've heard, you can win an argument, but you can lose a relationship. And don't quote scriptures that straight away. Now you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit here. So I, I really want to say this like right up. Everything we do as children of God is to be, we ought to be led by the Spirit of God. Above everything. So there are times when the Holy Spirit will say, right now, you should you should say this or do that. How do you know He's speaking to you? You suddenly sense something or you suddenly think something. And it's God. It's God talking to you because God loves the person that you're working alongside with. God loves the person that you are running with in your running club, whatever it might be. He, and so there's a time where suddenly a thought pops in, go with whatever the Spirit of God says. Don't, don't go with little worked out formulas of how you do this thing. Live life the way Jesus lived life. Just is free, just flowing in the spirit of God. But I want to say, don't don't use scriptures that are exclusive, that say you're out and you can't be in unless you believe what I believe. Please hear me now; it's important because the next one that we go uh, off—I'll get to that just now. In fact, let me not go there now. But um, but there's a time when when you when you quote the truth of a scripture, you say. But you know what, Jesus said this, and it's very, very, it's, it's very clear. He says, don't, for example, you can, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. You can say, the Pharisees, who were these religious bigots that Jesus spoke with, he said to them, you know what, you're so worried about being clean on the outside, but it's actually your heart that's not clean. Now, that's quite a, quite a straight thing to say. So you can, there's, there's times where you've got to say what Jesus said, but don't get personal with people. Don't say, unless the Holy Spirit says, okay. But for example, don't just say to somebody, you know what? You are. Which leads me to my next point. This one flows from that one. It's don't judge. Now people, a lot of people feel judged when they're not actually being judged. Okay? The moment somebody disagrees with them, they say, you're judging me. <laughs> now, that's not true. Because let's explain a little bit about this. Let's clear up what judging is and what it isn't. Many people feel judged because the other person is necess- Sorry. Many people feel judged not because the other person is necessarily putting judgment on them, but because they perceive it as such because of their own insecurity about how they are living and the decisions that they are making. And they then project onto the other person what they're feeling. And they say, you're judging me. So, I, so when somebody says you're judging me, I sometimes say, no, I'm not. And I know I'm not. But then there are times when we can cross the line and we can judge. And you know when you've judged is when you have personally, when you've got personal and you've put somebody in a box. A judge says, you know what? I've weighed it up and you belong there. When I've done that, I've now judged somebody. And when we're interacting with the world, it's not the personal judgment we're looking for. It's the truth to come in and highlight where they stand. So they start to ask questions of themselves because they've heard what you've said. For time's sake, I must move on. Jesus would point out to people, the way that you're doing that isn't working out so well for you, is it? That's not judging. But if you say, you know what, you are the biggest fool because of the decisions you make. That's judging. Just two more. We believe in belonging before believing. I could have said that better, but anyway, I said it like that. What I'm saying is this. You are welcome to be a part of our community before you believe what we believe. You can belong before you believe what we believe. In the past, the church got that wrong, and we've preached on this many times before. In the past, they said, you can only belong here if you believe what we believe. And Jesus wasn't like that with people. He said, whoever wants to come follow me, come. And then he'd talk, and then some would go, I'm not sure I can believe that. And he'd say, look, if you want to go, you can. You can. But if you want to stay, you can. And then lastly, so in other words, with people who believe differently to you, don't exclude them. Don't say, you're out because you don't believe what I believe. Welcome them into your community. Welcome them into your life, into your home. Talk with that person at work. God wants you to engage with them because the fields are white unto harvest. And then lastly, always, the Bible says, always be willing To give a reason for your faith. For the hope that you have. Always be ready. That's in 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Always. You, You carry a dignity. You have knowledge that the world doesn't have. You are an anointed scattered servant. You, we as the church, the church. Are the ones who go out into the world where we all get to play in this real game. It's not a game, but we get to play in, in this game of life. We get to interact with the world, and that's where the world is. The world isn't in here, the world's out there, and God so loves that world. Every one of us, it's everybody, every day, everywhere, wherever we are, we get to bring. Love and life to our city. That's what I'm allowed for. I'm not allowed just to, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Because otherwise, gosh, I've got an hour and a half and an hour and a half and an hour, and the rest of my life, what's it counting for? No, 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 no. I'm here to enjoy the world that God has made, serve Him daily, and be a good news person to whoever I meet. When they walk away from us, let them go. They carried good news. Let's stand.